This is Ross FM and I have to move the microphone. I'm so late coming to the studio, good lord. I've had so much to do here and help everybody out in, in, in um, Ross FM as well. Anyway, welcome to the arts programme, an exciting arts programme and we do have news on the arts programme today. My name is Ursula Leddles and in the studio I have with me Jason Fallon. Uh, hold on a minute Jason till we get the right button. Jason, you're welcome. Thank you very much Ursula, glad to be here. Long time no see. Yeah, it is indeed, yeah, it is indeed. Nice to be here in studio now for a change rather than over the phone. Over the phone, and we have time to talk today, so we have. Um, <clears throat> Jason Fannin is from Midland Astronomy, and we do have a little bit of news which we will share later on in, in, in our chat. But for now, the night sky. It's very busy. Yeah, it's a very busy, very busy for astronomers now at the moment, and that uh, you've probably seen on the news and stuff like that. We have a comet pretty close to Earth, so we have at the moment, which would be not as bright as Halley's Comet as back in the 80s and that that we did see, um, but uh, Comet E3, so it is, it's, it's visible and it's right, very close to Earth right now, so be visible, say, from the 9th straight up to the 25th, and it'd be in your favourite constellation. It's in the constellation Taurus, but it's pretty close to Orion, where your favourite... Uh, Star is uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yes. Are you sure Beetlejuice is there? It's still there. Well, as far as we know, it could be gone a couple of million years ago, but we we will know soon if it is. We come back. To, we come back to Beetlejuice because I'll explain why it's my favourite star. But I did put up on my Facebook page. Um, a map that you gave us is this the map of the that, that's the map yeah yeah that's the map there so there's so if you're looking up at the night sky and you're interested in seeing this comet it is vis- visible with a pair of binoculars not so much visible with the naked eye um, the constellation Orion is very common uh, and noticeable constellation in the night sky so it is where if you're actually looking up at the night sky and you see the, the, the Orion's belt which is three stars in a line so it is. Uh, that's the constellation Orion. So it is, and just to the right of that is the um, constellation Taurus. Now that's where the comet is actually situated. So it is. Uh, so it'd be going from say from south to north, or sorry, from from north to south. Uh, if you're looking up at the night sky, and what you would see in a in a pair of binoculars would be like a green haze. So it was. As the comet is getting closer to our sun, it starts uh, uh, emitting a lot of uh, a tail, basically off it, because it's like a, a big giant ice ball. So it is floating through space, and as it's getting closer to the sun, um, it starts giving off these plumes, which causes a tail, and that's what we're actually looking at now at the moment. That's why it gives it that greenly haze that you're actually looking at from re- reflecting sunlight so it is um, so it is very interesting a couple of our astronomy guys got some nice photographs off it and that but it, if you're looking at it it just looks like a green star really than, than a big ball you know. I did see it and a couple of times I thought I was imagining things mm. and I go back and I look again and I think that is green yeah. I do know I have to go to the optician so <laughs> I sort of wandered between but now that you tell me it's green I have seen yeah. it it, it gives a green hue on it, yeah. so it does, and that's all. It, and it is nice to capture. Um, if you have a pair of binoculars, a small pair of binoculars, it will be visible through that. You'd have to be patient because you're pin, trying to pinpoint this between a lot of stars. But if you notice that your stars are emitting orange, white, red, you will see green. If you see some anything green, the possibility is that you're actually looking at this comet. Uh, this comet now would have been originated from the Oort cloud, which would have been... Um, the Kuiper Belt as well, actually. So between Mars and Jupiter, 
there's a lot of um, debris that's left from the formation of the solar system orbiting our solar system uh, and every once in a while one might get knocked out and it'll send it towards the inner solar system which is ourselves and then it becomes visible so because as they're getting closer to the sun like I was saying they start heating up and then they start admitting where the, the, these long tails are evaporating from the end of it and that's what makes it so visible and then it, it's nice to actually see so if you would remember Halley's Comet back in the 80s yeah which was very close to it was in a very big comet at that stage and you could see the the tail like was stretching across the sky so it was um, it, well it, it across to uh, visible but now this isn't because it's a lot further out it's not coming as close, but it's still visible with a pair of binoculars. I think Haley's Comet was the one that kind of introduced everybody. Oh, it did, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing it back in the 80s, sitting on a hill, just with my friends looking up at this and wondering, what is that, you know? So, I mean, I suppose it is one of the main things that did get me into astronomy, and a lot of my friends into astronomy and that, because, you know, you're looking out at the universe going, and you think it's actually in the clouds, but it's not in the clouds, it's beyond the clouds, you way know. Beyond, so, way yeah. beyond, Yeah, yeah. So... Um, just another thing, Jason, I want you to tell me. Um, just uh, loads of people have asked me this, and I, I keep telling them, but stars twinkle, planets don't. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. So the, every planet is like our moon, say, for instance. It's, it's, um, it, do, it reflects sunlight. So stars emit their own light, like our sun, but planets don't. Planets rely on the sunlight reflecting off their atmosphere that actually gives them that so it doesn't actually give you that twinkling effect okay. so the possibility is uh, if you're looking at Jupiter now we'll be talking about Jupiter in a minute but uh, if you're looking at Jupiter night sky it's a very dominant point of light in the night sky uh, just above the horizon as the sun is going down and you'll see that it's not twinkling but it's a very point of light. Some people might it's mistake strong. it for light. Be like if you, if anyone's seen the International Space Station passing over, it's just a dominant light going across. Same with the International Space Station, it reflects fun- sunlight off the solar panels. Yeah. So that's what gives it that light. And I have mistaked that myself a couple of times. I've looked out and I'm thinking, is that moving or is it not? And it takes a while to figure out. Yeah. If you're looking at it at a distance and you think it's a star, but then you realise then it is getting towards you and that, yeah. yeah. So it, it, that's an interesting object to see in the night sky, the International Space Station. It is, yeah. Mm. What else? What? Um, th- what, what else is in the Jupiter's after making the news? Um, Saturn was the only planet that we knew had an 83 moons orbiting it. Now, we've only one. So you can imagine moons. 83 moons orbiting it. So it is. Now, these can be small objects, um, say, from the likes of a bus upwards. Um, but now, Jupiter's after surpassing Saturn and they're after discovering 12 more moons of Jupiter. So now it has 92 moons orbiting it. So that just shows you how, how big Jupiter is, like, I mean, um, compared to the Earth. Now, a lot of these planets, like four of its main um Moons like Io and that would be probably around roughly around the same size of our moon, if if not slightly bigger. So they're the most visible ones you can see. If you're looking at Jupiter with a pair of binoculars, you'll probably make out four moons because uh, they're dominant in the night sky because they'd be a bit bigger than our moon. Some of them may be a bit smaller, but the rest of the moons then would be the likes of just um, it. They could be just like big boulders. Orbiting, but because they're actually orbiting around the planet, they are known as moons. So they are. So ninety-two moons. But they, 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 
they're not moons like the moon that we look up at, are they? They wouldn't be. Okay. They would. They would be more like, like I said, like oddly shaped big boulders going around. Except the four inner pla- the in- inner moons that we would see, like Io uh, and that. They they would be like our moon. They'd be to be circular. Um, so there would be. They would have some of them. Would have a bit of an atmosphere. Uh, one of them is completely up. Is made of ice, like it's pure ice straight through, uh, and that's so like they would be classed as probably the the better of the moons. But the rest of them would be it. No more than Earth has two moons. We actually have one that's visible, which is our moon we see in the night sky. But there is a companion of the moon as well that comes in every so many years into our uh, solar system, orbits the Earth, and goes back out again. So like it could be a ca- uh, captured asteroid. Or uh, like, which would be a big, big boulder, say for instance. But it's still classed as another moon of Earth because it comes in and it circles the Earth and goes back out to the solar system, and comes back in every once in a while. So they do class Earth as having two moons. So if it circles a system, if it's circling a planet, it's known as, as a, a moon. moon. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Guess it's question. known as a moon. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. So that that that's Jupiter, which is outstanding. And if anyone is actually up at the night sky. Um, and you see that big point of light chances as you are looking at Jupiter and that and if you're looking at it with a small pair of binoculars and a small telescope even you will actually make out four of its moons as well uh, So and they're the bigger moons but I mean for a planet to have 92 moons orbiting it you know but as you said, some of them can be just as small. Some of them can be because they're, but as they're orbiting around it, same as our own, it will be classed as a moon of that. Like Mar- Mars um, has a, a moon, but the moon is actually just a big boulder. It's like a big boulder that uh, it could have been a an asteroid that was captured by the Earth by the moon by the gravity of the gravity. Yeah. yeah, and it just got caught in it, and it's just constantly circling it. And looking at it, it just looks like a a big rock with loads of dents in it. But they class it as a moon because it, once it's locked in orbit, it's it's a moon. Okay, so once it's locked in orbit within that planet's space, yeah, it's a moon to it, that. Planet. To that planet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it is. I was wondering when you used to talk about moons. I was trying to figure out did we have, like the moons we have going round, or the moon that we see going round Earth. But now I understand that. That's something cleared up for me, Jason. What else have we got? Yeah. So uh, what we'll do is we'll jump into uh, say the month of February. We're now on the eighth, so I'm going to jump up to the eleventh. So um, today is the eighth. So like tonight. Your, the comet is going to be start visible, say from tomorrow evening. Actually, sorry, uh, from the ninth, it's visible all round, but it's actually just getting a bit closer to us, going from the ninth up to the twenty fifth. And on the eleventh, um, we'll have that comet is actually going to be near Mars, and that will be visible. So if you actually see, um, if you're looking up at the night sky and you see a red star, it's it's Mars, and it's not twinkling as we as we're talking about. And beside the beside that, you'll actually make out. So it's a good point of reference that you might make out the comet beside Mars. So you'll see this green hue beside the planet Mars if you're looking at a pair of binoculars. Uh, jumping up to the twenty second, we'll have uh, which is another planet that people don't get to see too much of is Venus. It's normally an early riser in the mornings. So you don't get to see too much of it, sort of, but it's actually going to be near um, uh, in the evening sky from the 22nd of this month. Uh, so if you're looking at the moon, another point of light, and it's fascinating to look at. It's not really to look at if you're looking at it with a pair of binoculars and that because it's just a circular point of light because Mars isn't as big or Venus isn't as big as Jupiter or Saturn. Um, 
then we're jumping up to the 23rd 23rd then is you'll actually have the moon and if you want to see where Jupiter is alright this is is you're going to have Jupiter is actually going to be, be right beside the moon it's going to be near the moon itself so um, just another point of reference and then jumping back up to the 28th we'll have uh, Mars again back in uh, up in the night sky in the 28th in the evening sky and that'll be beside the moon on the on the 28th so it just gives you if you're using the moon as a point of reference that you'll have Venus on the 22nd you'll have Jupiter on the 23rd and then you'll have the planet Mars on the 28th uh, of, of February so it's, they're good points of reference by using the moon to actually navigate around the night sky so you'll actually get to see some of these planets if you have a pair of binoculars and a small telescope and I suppose a clear night. Um. Clear night. Um, frosty nights, better. Lovely, n- lovely nights, guys. It was nice and clear last night, so it was about sh- one o'clock in the morning. I know it, it sort of was a bit of a freezing fog came down, and then it, it, it went fairly quick and that. And even this morning, the, the sky this morning was fabulous. Now, I was up earlier myself on the road, but uh, it was fabulous to look at. It was like a stained glass, the red, yeah. the different colours of line coming through the red. It just looked like a stained glass piece. Of yeah, the art. there's sunlight reflecting through yeah. the clouds. It's, it's, it's fabulous. Fabulous. Of course, that's what it would have been. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Fra- what it does is uh, when the sun is rising in the mornings and that, so it, ca- it captures like ice particles that's actually in the in the clouds, and that's what gives you that like big bright of light, like you know, and and, and just scatters among the clouds then as well. As you said, it's like looking at stained glass. It was this morning now, and then when that all settled down, the sky went pink. Yeah, yeah, and there's some lovely, but it's. People, it it does be funny when you're into astronomy and people just just start sending you pictures and that, like, what you think of this, you know, and that. But it it was lovely. Like, even some of my own cousins there now got, they're a bit more further out the country and that, but they got some gorgeous images. So they, like, it was... Uh, one of my cousins, she's she's in Mullingar and her field was just full of dew and just above it was the clouds and all that so it was a, a fabulous image that she, that she sent me on and that you know but it's it's good to see it's nice to see and that but uh normally it's not the, a good omen it's this uh, red sky at night shepherd's delight red sky in the morning shepherd's warning uh, but it's not too bad of a day so far. <laughs> it wasn't that bad so far. And that's just an idea. Um, we must keep an, uh, an idea on um, people uh, with fantastic photographs of the sky. Yeah, even if anyone has any to send them in here to uh, Ross FM. Yeah, and we'll keep know, an eye on that one. Keep an eye on and, and anyone that has probably any questions on the night sky that's not, um, well, that's we'll, not too sure of. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll let people know about that in... Oh, gosh... In, in three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see Beetlejuice is still up there. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, still visible. Beetlejuice, will you please? Beetle, Beetlejuice is a, is a star that's dominant in the night sky. It's in the constellation Orion, just where I was saying where the comet is going to be more or less close to. Uh, so if you're looking up at the night sky and there's uh, three stars in a line, up to the left-hand side of that, just above it then, there's a bright orange star. Uh, to call a red giant, which is called Betelgeuse. Now, this is a star that all astronomers have been watching for many years now, because me. like our own sun in five billion years' time, it's going to expand and get bigger and bigger because it's starting to run out of fuel. 
I know it sounds funny that when it's running out of fuel that it expands rather than shrinking but it does eventually collapse in on itself and that's where you get like a supernova so when you see the likes of Hubble giving you all these images of big bright uh, clouds in the solar system it's it's the remnants of a star that actually exploded like our own is only we've about 5 billion years left in our own it's nearly a star our size our pla- our sun is about a 10 million 10 billion year life cycle so we're halfway through that already um so it's we're like 5 billion left in it and we won't be around to see any of that <laughs> and uh but um yeah, yeah. next question. And, and just another thing there, that Beetlejuice is expected to explode. It is. But you're looking at it in, in the, the past. past. Yeah, so if you have a star that's two million light years away, it takes two million years for that light to travel from that star to Earth. To Earth. So you could be looking, any point of light you're looking at the night sky, if it's not a planet or a star, you're looking at it in the past. You're only, it, it takes that long because of the vast distance to travel, for light to travel. Um, I think we explained it before, our sun is our closest star, but it takes eight minutes for the light to travel from the star, from the sun to Earth. So if you're looking at a sunset or a sunrise, it actually happened eight minutes ago before we actually physically see it. Now, so. Jason, we're running out of time, so we have an announcement to make. Yeah, we're we yeah, we're <laughs> back on our. Um, no, it's bigger and better. It's bigger and better. Yeah, we're back doing our lectures. So we are. Uh, and normally we'd have them in Tullamore, so we do. So we're trying to actually because there's so many of us between the mid between Athlone, Tullamore, and all around Offaly and, and, and Westmead and that's we've moved our lectures to Athlone. Uh, so it's in the Athlone Sub Aqua Club. Right. Uh, it's just there at where the old Jolly Marner used to be, uh, Jim's Fields, uh, actually, you know, the, the way it was. Before uh, my time. Yeah, yeah. before your time. Uh, and that bus, yeah, the Sobacco Club, um, thankfully, has allowed us to use their building. So um, so we have open-air lectures. So it's the first, the, the last Tuesday in every month um, we we have the the lectures. Um, and I'll, I'll double-check that. So, so, yeah, so it's the last Tuesday of every month. Last Tuesday of every month. Last Tuesday of every month, so it is. Yeah. And uh, our last lecture was on a Tuesday night, wasn't it? Was it was on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, so it's the last Tuesday of every month. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't remember whether it was the beginning of the month. Or the yeah, so, no, we're going with the last Tuesday of every month. I know we had that one, uh, but we're going the last Tuesday of every month, so we That's are... Half past seven. Half past seven, the Subacco Club. And, and the best thing about these ones, we've opened it up to the public, so we let them ask the questions, we'll answer them on the next lecture. And we have other good news and we're running out of time. You can announce We've this. Co- Cosmos 2023. <laughs> we're going on air. Oh, we're going on air. Sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's another astray. good one. Yeah, we're actually starting up our own little astronomy program. So it's going to be on the first <laughs> Monday, Monday of every, every month. month. So starting at 11.30. Uh, uh, to 12 o'clock, a half an hour long programme, yourself and myself, yep. Jason being the expert, me being the questioner, um, and uh, we hope to bring in guests. And we'll have some guests, we'll hopefully get some guest speakers and all that in, and that, and um, so t- it gives us 30 minutes so it is to actually answer any astronomy questions and to allow us to bring speakers in and, and have a chat. And what I was actually thinking was uh, that uh, we've set up some sort of a page where people can send their photographs in as well and yeah. we can put together um, photographs or whatever uh, and questions that people can send in if they have something to ask. Yep. And that would be great, so it would. Uh, Jason, I don't know what to say, but we, we, we have um, a song by um, Stephen Eli and that's going to be our songs. Queen of the Night, Shining Bright. That's uh, Stephen Eli from Moat originally, out in um, 
in Europe doing um, a month-long tour of concerts and then I think he's heading to the States so he is after that but he will be back in motor and we will catch up with him now hello Daniel can we have a message hello. hello Daniel how are you good now you not too bad I'm speaking to Daniel Lenahan Daniel and his partner Georgina Quigley are the proprietors of Bond Chocolates Midlands and they're actually in Athlone. They have a premises here in Athlone and they're award-winning chocolate makers. And when I say chocolate makers, I was very lucky to taste your chocolates and uh, they're very, very different. Daniel, you're welcome to the arts programme. Tell me, how did you get involved in making chocolates? So way back, how did you get started? Uh, well, so I first studied um, culinary arts in AIT to become a chef, and uh, I worked as a chef for about, about maybe a year or that, and kind of worked a little bit on pastry in the kitchens, and, and started to realise actually, it's pastry, it's kind of been a pastry chef that I prefer. So after that, I uh, I went on and did uh, advanced pastry in the AIT, and just kind of fell in love with chocolate. Then, like, but it's hard not to. I think everybody likes chocolate, but I think so. I fell in love with, with, uh, in love with the make and the chocolate then. And, uh, yeah, since then I've uh, studied in a couple of different places around the world, then in Las Vegas, Barcelona, and, uh, yeah, a couple of different places that kind of hone my skill in there. And you, I didn't mean I just st- you travelled around the world studying chocolate. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I, I went to, myself and my partner, Georgia, we both went to Barcelona and studied with uh, a world chocolate master there called Vincent Valley. And uh, then we also went to Las Vegas. Georgia didn't come with me for that. I just went there. And I was there for three months with a, a very famous guy called Amori Gishon. So huh? I studied a lot with him there. And you studied making chocolates with him. Amori, what's his name? Uh, Amori Gishon. He's very big on social media. Oh, gosh, I've never heard of him. But I suppose I don't yeah. know anything about chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're from Athlone originally, aren't you? Yes, yeah, I'm from Athlone originally, and uh, Georgia is from uh, Rossgrave and Tipperary, and we met in we met in college in AIT. Okay, so it was during COVID that your love of chocolate became um, more apparent, was it? Yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. So uh, we, I came back from Vegas at the end of March 2020. And obviously, when I came back, everything was uh, everything was closed. So George and I had no jobs at all. We weren't sure what we were going to do. Uh, and my parents had a cafe in Athlone that was uh, that was closed, obviously because of all the restrictions. So my father just said to me, "Why don't we go into the kitchen there and play around with different ideas?" Because having our own business is something that George and I have always kind of talked about. But uh, we weren't sure what we were going to do, and we weren't even sure if anything was going to come from it, you know. So we just started playing around with different ideas and said to Georgia, why don't we do chocolate sites? You know, I think it could be a good thing. So we, we played around with that and uh, just slowly started selling to kind of friends and families, not not thinking much of it, you know. And uh, uh, next thing, all of a sudden, we were kind of looking at uh, having to give up our jobs and find a premises and all that. It kind of just snowballed then. And it has snowballed, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been very good now. Everyone has been so, so supportive, you know. Um, so you even had, um, you had uh, who was the chef you had there recently visiting you? Oh, uh, Neville McGuire. I was going to call so, him Gary Neville. 
Yeah. <laughs> we were just no, we were just we were just on RTE with him there last week it was. Okay. Uh, when, yeah, it was Wednesday last week on his new um his new program is called Nevin's Greenway Food Trails. So that was very, very good. And you also have won, and I am aware of this, loads of prizes, far too many to mention, but you won quite, you know, quite big um, awards for your chocolate and for your presentation. And um, because the presentation is all part of the the chocolate itself as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a whole experience. Yeah, that's kind of what we try and encapsulate so that from the minute the customer gets the box, that it's special. It's not just what's on the inside. Everything is special about it, you know. And that's the word, the whole experience, because this is a, an experience, this box of chocolates. Exactly, yeah. This, uh, we, we like to think anyways that it's, as you said, it's a life experience for a customer to kind of work their way through. We, um, we kind of do limited edition collections throughout the year, and those will change with the season. So it's nice for customers to be eating kind of more seasonal flavours and a variety of textures and stuff, you know. And... Have you something special coming up for, um, should I say, Valentine's Day? Yes, we do, yeah. We have our we have our signature collection, which we run all year round. And then we also have our box, which is our uh, kind of box exclusive for Valentine's. So that one is called With Love. And it's got like four exclusive kind of flavours. And they're, they're all hand-painted in nice kind of pinks and purples, you know. So a nice gift either for someone special or maybe from me to me. <laughs> I like yeah. the last one from me to me yeah, and no sharing <laughs> and that's no sharing exactly <laughs> and no sharing because they're not they're, they they are beautiful so they are um, and the, the presentation of them is beautiful and I suppose as you said it's an experience they're a luxury box of chocolates thank you very much <laughs> so if we want to um, get these chocolates or we wanted to follow you we'll start with the social media if we wanted to follow you on social media or on uh, how would we get to know where you are or how would we get to see um, your products yes so we're, we'll be active on um, Facebook Twitter and Instagram and you'll find us on any of those three as if you just look up Bon Chocolatiers so that's B-O-N and then Chocolatiers and that's spelled C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-I-E-R-S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just have to want to make sure we have that right. And um, yeah. Bon Chocolatiers, and can we order directly from you? Yes, yeah. So we, we, we made we, the majority of our sales are online through our website. So that's at www.bonchocolatiers.ie and we ship direct to the customer. And, uh, and other than that, for people that might be local to the Midlands area, we uh, we hold stock in my parents' cafe. It's called Beans and Leaves, so that's down by Lloyd's Lane. Yes. So we hold stock there all year round to have all our limited collections when they're released. And then if it helps for anyone listening, this weekend we uh, have a pop-up shop in the Athlone Town Centre. So my dad and Jory will be there selling all our products. And can we get a taste of the chocolates when we're there? Yes, for sure. We always have some samples, you know. You have to try before you buy. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll be popping along there. What time did you say you'd be there again on the weekend? Uh, so that'll be from 10 till close. I think it's 6 o'clock on both days. Oh. I, I think it starts at 12 on Sunday, sorry. So it'll be Saturday and Sunday you'll be there. I up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, Daniel, can I wish you all the best? Can I say congratulations on all the awards that you've won? Because I do know you've won an awful lot of awards um, and you're quite new. What, a year and a half? 
will be two years now, yeah. Yeah, two years in, in putting this together. So congratulations. Um, an amazing... Um, an amazing achievement in such a short amount of time and can we wish you all the best wait for Valentine's Day and then Mother's Day will be coming up as well and I presume you'll have something special for that as well yeah and then Easter after <laughs> <laughs> there's no holidays for, for yourself or Georgina for the next no, while stop. No, no, no stop no stop no, no stop <laughs> Um, thank you very much for taking the call from us this afternoon. Uh, can we wish you all the best? And as I said, anyone around uh, the Athlone area, or if you're not in the Athlone area, pop into the new shopping centre on Saturday and Sunday and yourself and herself will be there uh, showing your chocolates and they're well worth seeing. As I said, it's um, an experience, isn't it? Yes, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. That's, uh, thanks for having me on. Not at all, thank you. That's uh, Daniel Lenehan and Georgina Quealy, uh, Bon Chocolatiers. Um, they're from Athlone, in business for about two years and uh, really worth seeing their chocolates. It is an experience and they are worth seeing. And it's, it's a craft, it's an art. Uh, and the way they present them is, is a, in an art style. You know, the artistic um, creation that's in it is, is very, very visible. Now, let me see what we'll do next. We'll go on to Gronya Hunt. Gronya Hunt is a member of um, Enchanted Cree. Gronya Hunt is actually in Germany at the moment, uh, an amazing singer. Um, she was here in the studio and she blew our minds away. She's part of um, In the Midst of Plenty, uh, that um, um, musical, historical musical that's doing the rounds. And we'll be going back on stage and we'll be going back on tour. And we hope to have uh, Anne-Marie in soon to tell us what's the story on that and what's, hap- what's happening. Um, and I suppose... Um, while Gronya herself would be linked up with Strokestown House, Enchanted Cree would be uh, um, linked up with Strokestown House, and they are still up and running with things for St Bridget's uh, Day. There's also a tapestry exhibition on there at the moment as well, and really well worth seeing. Um, some of you will know Francis Crowe's work, but there is other tapestry artists there as well, and there's a Ukraine artist there that I know I haven't seen her work, but I hear it's uh, amazing and it is well worth seeing. Last week... Um, Myself and Jerry Jago were in um, Tarm and Barry, and Tarm and Barry um, for St Bridget's Day, and Tarm and Barry uh, created a beautiful and an amazing um, cross, which was um, lit up, and um, the theme behind that was St Bridget went from across the divide, across the Shannon, east to west, west to east, uh, and that was part of the celebrations of St Bridget's uh, feast day and in Tarman Barry and there was a little play done about her cloak and I suppose what we have to mention is her story who started four or five years ago in Dublin um, setting out to make St Bridget uh, uh, St Bridget's day uh, a bank holiday that we can celebrate our only patrons, our only saint our only female saint and that we have a bank holiday to celebrate that so I hope that's going to go forward in the future and get bigger and better uh, over the years, they would have been um, um, a lot of the artists would have painted um, goddesses, and they were transposed onto the GPO, onto the uh, cathedral in Kilkenny, and onto the castle here in our, in Athlone. And um, some of the local, a lot of the local artists, and I'll name one that was Nan Waters, uh, Dee McKeon, and Rosemary Langtry, all had their art transcribed onto these buildings, and it was an amazing sight to see. And again, this year the same thing happened, but this year it got bigger and better, and I suppose every year from going on it'll get bigger and better. 
actually I have a surprise for Gráinne as well but I won't share that with her yet until she's here in, on air with me and um, it'll be a nice surprise for Gráinne and uh, when we come back we'll have a surprise for you it'll be a surprise for Seamus and myself as well so now I'm back on air and there I was chatting away and um, thank you very much for all your messages. Jason said thanks as well. He's just leaving the studio there. He's heading off home. So you can put the dinner on, the kettle on or whatever. And um, again, thank you all for your messages. Really lovely to, to, to see the messages coming in. I'm looking forward to our new programme, uh, Astronomy and Beyond. I think we have to. what we'll have to do now is we'll have to say congratulations to the lads uh, first of all, they won the lotto here. Uh, they're up in the charts. The last I heard, they were number five in the charts. And now, um, and okay, number three in um, the Euro, the Late Late Show song for Europe, uh, they came in num- uh, number three. Out of 300 entries, they became number three. And that's really very young lads starting out really says an awful lot for them and it must be we must be able to keep our eye on them and uh, see them go far and remember we had them here in Ross FM we had them in Longford we had them in the Midlands and um, we will keep an eye on them the lads are back at um, back uh, studying now so they are so we probably won't hear or see anything to, from them for the future well for the, for the foreseeable future they probably have exams or whatever to do but as I said they won the lottery, lottery here now that's an interesting thing anybody interested in getting a lottery ticket um, just get in contact with Ross FM it's a 50-50 so whatever goes into the draw 50 goes to the winner and 50 goes to the radio um, we're a charity radio. We're, we're not. We're, we're we fundraise to uh, pay our bills, and most of us are volunteers. And um, you know, so every 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 pound or every euro counts. So it does. But here we're going to play down in the rain, and um, this is again wishing the lads all the best uh, for the future. So that's Down in the Rain, um, which was the entry in the Eurovision uh, Song Contest and wishing uh, the boys well and we will be sending out your um, uh, your winnings on the, um, the lotto uh, this week. So we will to you. Colin Fahey, no stranger to music, um, author of music as well um, and wrote a song, remember, about the Galway about the Galway football, I can't remember um, Galway maybe was in the All-Ireland or something like that at the time and he wrote a a, a brilliant song about that Today is Brendan Behan's birthday He would have been 100 years of age if he had lived um, lived to to today Um, Brendan Behan I suppose one of the people that would go down in history as um, a rebel Um, somebody who um, was a poet, was an outstanding artist, wrote many plays, wrote many songs as well, um, and was, um, what should we say, um, a character of sorts, um, was fond of um, being out and about, fond of entertainment, and had spent time. He was an Irish poet, a short story writer, a novelist, a playwright, and an Irish Republican. And he wrote in both Irish and English. And some people would say he was one of the greatest Irish writers of all time. Uh, he was born um, um, to Brendan Francis, Brendan Francis Aidan Behan, uh, on the 9th of February 1923 in Dublin. And he, um, 
some of his notable works would have been The Queer Fella, The Hostage, The Buster Boy. He married uh, Beatrice French Saskfield. And I, when I was reading up on her, um, her um, people going back, um, they would have lived abroad. They were um, would have had German ancestry in them, but uh, all very... Um, arty people all into poetry all into um, you know um, the arts I suppose and culture in in Brendan Behan's family the Irish Republican movement was very very strong and he was a volunteer in the Republican army as I said he was born in Dublin Um, at the age of 14 he was um, he was in the IRA youth organisation he was a strong emphasis on Irish history and culture uh, it was actually his uncle that wrote the Aran um, uh, and the Irish National Anthem. Um, all of his family would have been very much involved in the arts and in um, promoting Ireland and Ireland's culture and uh, the freedom of Ireland. <coughs> Behan spent uh, time in jail in England um, and again did many interviews on um, there's one notable interview that he did on one of the English television uh, programs where I mean he really didn't give an answer he was quite um, um, elusive to interview it was quite a hard interview actually to be done but uh, it was Behan's style uh, Brendan Behan's style so it was and that was it um, he died at a very young age his daughter was uh, I think six when he died and his daughter wrote um a beautiful piece uh, about her father for Miss Eleni which was aired last Sunday and it was about how she didn't know her father he died at a young age when she was young but later on she travelled in and later on in life she felt that her children her boys should know their heritage and about their father and their uncles and their grandmother and um, they got in contact with the Irish government and for uh, Brendan Behan's uh, 50th birthday they had well it came I think about two years later um, a stamp made in his honour but she speaks about um, while not knowing her father she at the same time can find us things that she can associate with him and his love of water was one of the things that she spoke very highly of Uh, sorry that she spoke about that when she sees water it reminds her of her father her mother went on to marry again and have uh, some more in family uh, a son, I can't just remember the rest of the children but she went on to have another family and um, but I think Brendan Behan for for anybody in in history uh, in culture in Ireland he's a name uh, well he might have been um, a bold boy at times uh, he also was a very intellectual boy. He was also a very intellectual guy and he loved nothing more than the arts, writing, uh, poetry, stories and being involved in the arts and, of course, uh, being um, a freedom, the freedom of Ireland. And um, today it would have been his 100th birthday if he had been alive. There's lots of plaques um, around the country in different places to him, to him uh, remembering him. And as as he was born in Dublin, but he also lived in Paris, Wicklow and Kerry, I think, as well for a while, maybe even Connemara. Um, for somebody who um, we may only see one side of, he was actually very, very clever. He had a wide range of interests and uh, highly, 
highly able to um, transfer his knowledge onto paper into plays, poetry, short stories and song. So today we remember his birthday. So that's it from the arts programme. Quite a lot coming up in the arts, uh, Roscommon Arts Centre. And of course the drama festival is coming up. We will be covering that in the future, so we will. Hope you've enjoyed the programme.